Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tinsa Podcast, the podcast that is determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive. 365 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. How's it going, y'all? Ask me in about 16 hours. I was about to say, did everyone get the best sleep of their lives last Wednesday night? Or at least the best sleep after the past four years last Wednesday night? I don't know. I don't know yet. I did. <laughs> you don't know that. I did. Don't, don't jinx it. Remember what happened last week? Time is fluid on this show. I don't even know what week we're talking about now. <laughs> that was like three weeks ago in showtime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to get terribly excited. I'm just, I'm concerned. I'm still worried, y'all. I am too. Mm. But I'm trying to remain optimistic and thinking that I will have a glorious night's sleep tomorrow night. Gloria. So I got a late Christmas gift in the mail today. Did you? From our very own April Riley. <gasps> we love she, April. It was this awesome whiskey glass with the first like stanza of a Christmas carol engraved on it. Marley was there oh, to begin Oh, that's cool. She got me that. She got me two Christmas face masks. One with Mr. Narwhal on it that says, Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. And oh, one that says, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. She got me a shirt that says "You better watch out," and it's like a horror. It's like a horror movie cartoon where kids awake in bed at night and Santa's at the window just staring in, which is pretty darn funny. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty perfect too. That is pretty rad. And yeah, it was pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. That's so nice. Yep, April's awesome. She is awesome. Uh, what about you guys? How was your week? What even happened this week? I don't even know. I think I it was good. Maybe. How was, I'm not sure. Did you have a good long weekend? I had a pretty good long weekend. I had to work a little bit, but but it was pretty good. We had family over, actually, so that was nice. Oh, and Marty saved his grandmother's life, like legit. She yeah, started choking happened? at dinner, and he used the Heimlich maneuver, and he got it out of her. So that was exciting. And just, I told him that, I told him that night, I'm like, I've been telling you, you're a hero for years and years. And you, in fact, proved it tonight. Does he buy it now? I don't think so. Did it woo you? Was it like a heart-fluttering moment when he did it? It was. Nothing says heart-fluttering like food coming up out of somebody's throat. <laughs> oh, brother. Yeah, my long weekend was fine. It was relaxing. We didn't like nothing. I just watched a bunch of TV, like comfort TV. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's kind of what we did, probably. <laughs> I don't even remember now. I finished season two of The Boys. Oh, Ooh. so good, right? So good. I don't, I, I can say 
I can probably count the number of times on two hands that I have like watched a movie and been like, hey, whoa, whoa, what just happened here, right? Like this was like six cents I wasn't expecting it like out of left field. Mm-hmm. It's very good. I can't wait for season three. Oh, you know what else I can't wait for? Did you see it was confirmed that the new Spider-Man movie is set at Christmas time? So we're getting a Christmas Spider-Man movie? No, it's not. exciting. That is exciting. Any excuse to talk superheroes on the podcast. So y'all, I'm getting my new tattoo on Friday. I'm very excited. I saw that. Biggest piece to date, right? Yes. What is it? So how many, Sunday? how long is it going to take? It's going to be multiple sessions. So Friday is the first session. It's like Batman and all of his villains. And it looks awesome. So you found somebody that will do it justice. That's good. Cause you've I, been found looking. So- I found somebody I connected with on the phone. Like well, none of the, none of, I've connected with one of my other artists in the past, but they shut down. And then none of the other guys, right. I like their, I like their work. But when you're sitting there for a while, in silence it's just awkward so like this guy i called up i was like hi can i make an appointment sure that was like 20 seconds of silence on the phone i'm like uh what's your availability like he was like sorry i like to make things awkward on purpose to see how people react and i was like uh we're gonna get along fine so he asked will you marry me it's like it sounds like tom if he was a tattoo artist so he asked what like i wanted and everything and i was like i'm not sure about the color because I'm Italian, so I have slightly darker skin. I'm not sure how I'll show up. He was like, oh, I'm sorry. You can't do it. I don't tattoo Italians. Like, he was very sarcastic and jokey and everything. And I was like, we'll get along swimmingly. So I don't think it'll be awkward. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's hilarious. Five to eight, though. So three hours Friday. Ooh. So do you take, like, like, I don't know. Can you take medicine before you go in? No. They because against that. The bleeding and stuff, right? Yeah. Even though I only okay. really bled with one tattoo, like they said, it depends how, a lot of times, how nervous you are, or like how much, yeah. So my bi- my biggest tattoo, the Christmas one, is the one that bled the most. Yeah. And yeah. that's because that, after like two and a half hours, three hours, whatever it was, it was like sore. Like the skyline is like gray mm-hmm. here, but like after I first got done, it was like purple. And I was like, oh, that's weird to be in purple. And I didn't realize until later on, it was that was just like all the blood had pooled to the surface. Oh my gosh, that is wild. So I expect this one because it's large to bleed, but uh, yeah. none of my other smaller ones. Do. But we'll see. I'm excited. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited. I never thought before I got my first tattoo. I never believed people when they said it's addicting, and I totally yeah. get it now. It like, is. It's like it is. It's addicting. It's like and it's like a good kind of pain too. Honestly. Yep. You both of y'all said that, and that has intrigued me ever since you said it. Tom, didn't you want to announce something on the podcast that who you're going to get to meet this upcoming Oh, I'm year? very excited. I am very excited. Anybody who knows me will know why I'm excited. Um, Ellie and I sat down and we watched, I bought the three-pack with the meet and greet, the autograph poster, shirt, all the things for the three uh, Phoenix Session concerts with Jimmy World. And a friend of mine at work pinged me and she said, hey, you know I know Jem, right? So I immediately call her and we're chatting. And she and her husband have known Jim Atkins, the lead singer of Jimmy World, for decades. And she's like, after COVID, come out here and we'll go have drinks with Jim. And uh, so I am sitting on, you know, cloud nine now. 
That is like, it's like a lifelong dream come true, isn't it? It is. It's, they've been my favorite band since like 96. So that's a, been a few years, 25 years. Awesome. Oh man, yeah. I was in first grade since nine, in 96. It's been a while since I got a good age joke in there. So I had to drop yeah. it. <laughs> Speaking of age jokes, because this movie started out with one big age joke, really. Tonight, we are covering the 2020 Disney Plus original holiday, question mark, movie, Godmothered. For those of you who don't know, quick plot synopsis, an inexperienced fairy godmother in training tries to prove that people still need fairy godmothers. It's courtesy of Google. Short and to the point, without getting into too much detail. So, Short sweet. This film was directed by Sharon McGuire, who came to prominence with Bridget Jones's Diary. Uh, what else did she do? She did Bridget Jones's Baby as well. Those are probably her two biggest things. Did you? Are we fans of Bridget Jones? I liked Diary. I never saw Baby because it looked silly, silly. We walked out of Baby after like 15 minutes. Yeah. Did you like Diary? We did. It had nothing to do with that. It was the first time we ever left our house without Ellie. And uh, <laughs> we left her with Christine's parents. And when we called to check on her, you know, we got there, got our snacks, sat in our seats, talked for a little while. The movie started. It's like, okay, it's been long enough. Let's go check on her. And uh, we called and she was crying. So we left. Aww. Oh, man. It's like your parents' spidey sense kicked in. We were very, well, apparently she'd been crying most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we were very nervous parents, so. Oh. Yeah. So was, I like Bridget Jones' Diary. Bridget jo- we have since watched Baby, and it is not good. It is not. Ah. Wasn't there a third one, or wasn't there going to be a third one? I thought there were three. I don't know. I don't know. Two was more aware. than enough. Yeah, they should have stopped at one. One was great. Not everything needs a sequel. No, not everything. Or a prequel. Or a prequel, for that or matter. prequel. <laughs> Or a remake slash sequel slash reboot that they do. The requels nowadays. Anyway. This film was written by Carrie Granlund and Melissa Stack. And Carrie Granlund actually came up with the story as well. And the music was done by Rachel Mary Berkeley Portman. An English composer who is best known for the following. Well, a lot of films. Let's see what some of her best are. Or, you know, more well-known ones. A Little Princess. She did The Joy Luck Club. Emma, the 1996 version. Beauty and the Beast, The Enchanted Christmas, which is coming up this year. Mm-hmm. The Cider House Rules. Chocolat. The Legend of Bagger Vance. The Emperor's New Clothes. I thought it was the Emperor's New Clothes. <laughs> Mona, Mona Lisa Smile, The Manchurian Candidate, the remake in 2004. Not the remake in 2016. <laughs> the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 2. Was that the good one? <laughs> <laughs> A Dog's Purpose. And those are probably the most well-known stuff. Is that the one where they beat, where they abuse the animals? Yeah, it was where they were throwing the dog in the, what was yeah. A simulated raging river or something. Yes. I didn't want to. Yep. Starring as our protagonist, Eleanor, in this film is Jillian Bell. Jillian Bell has appeared on this show before. Not the actress. She has. We've covered her before in two movies. We've covered her in The Night Before and Office Christmas Party. She was in Bridesmaids, 22 Jump Street, 
the Goosebumps 2015 movie, Angry Birds movie, Fist Fight, Rough Night, Britney Runs a Marathon, which is supposedly really good. I didn't see that though. Yeah, that's on my uh, on my list. It looked really good. She was in Bill and Ted Face Some Music. She's been on SNL, Curb Your Enthusiasm. She's done a voice on Gravity Falls. She's been in a lot of junk history. She played Clara Kinsey. Are we fans of Jillian Bell? Or were we before this? Because I think we all probably were after this. Yeah. I liked her back in her... She was a great writer back in the uh, back at SNL. I liked her. I'm not her. sure that I consciously knew of her much. Her face was familiar, but I mean... I don't. I haven't seen a ton of the movies. I mean, aside from the Christmas ones we've watched, right? That she's been in. I think she and Kristen Bell look like they could be sisters. They're not related, are they? No, but they look like it. I thought you they think were he, You think she looks like Kristen Bell? I said they look like they could be sisters. I I don't see that. That's interesting. I thought they were related for a long time. So there we have. Speaking it. of speaking of people, I think were related to other actresses for a long time. Isla Fisher plays Mackenzie, and I always thought <laughs> Isla Fisher was related to Amy Adams. I always used to get the two of them confused back in the day. Really? A I don't see a striking <laughs> resemblance. <laughs> and I, I see it. <laughs> Isla Fisher has been in tons of stuff. She was in the live-action film adaptation of Scooby-Doo, Wedding Crashers, Confessions of Shopaholic, The Great Gatsby, Now You See Me. I Heart Huckabees, The Lookout, Definitely Maybe, uh, Keeping Up with the Joneses, she was, did a voice in Horton Hears a Who, Rango, Rise of the Guardian, she did the Tooth Fairies, we covered her before, and she was in Arrested Development for a few seasons. Yes, she so was. The later seasons, though, the seasons we pretend don't exist. She still did well with it. And she's married to Bar- Borat. So. Yes, she is. Very nice, his <laughs> wife. <laughs> that was a great impression. <laughs> are we um, Isla Fisher fans? Yeah, we are. She's good. Yeah, I like her. What's your favorite Isla Fisher? Besides this, if it was this. It's this. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I love this movie. If it wasn't this for me, it'd be Confessions of a Shopaholic because I like that movie. <laughs> Mine is Wedding Crashers. That's the only movie I've ever seen Vince Vaughn have chemistry with anyone, and it was her. <laughs> it's probably more her. It was well. I mean, she played the really kinky younger sister who like terrified Vince Vaughn because she kept <laughs> jumping him. She was in early Arrested Development too. Was she really? Yeah. Which one? She was in. Well, not. She was in the. She was in it in 2013. Yes, that's still season four. Still better than the remake, the 2018, 2019 remakes. Jane Curtin plays Moira. Our sort of antagonist, although I wouldn't call her a full antagonist. Yeah. Um, she won back. She was an original cast member on SNL. She was. She wanted to win back-to-back Emmys for Best Lead Actress in a Comedy Series for the sitcom Kate and Allie. She oh, started I in, that show. She started in Third Rock from the Sun. Or th- sorry, Third Rock from the Sun, not Thirty Rock. <laughs> Uh, that's my favorite Jane Curtin right there, y'all. Third, third Rock? The way that she could play so straight-laced off of John Lithgow's ridiculousness. What about Coneheads? Yeah. She was in Coneheads. I'm joking. I hated Coneheads. I, I did not like Coneheads, Coneheads at all. Yeah, I liked her on Kate and Allie. I'm with you there, Julia. But I like Third Rock mm-hmm. and the Sun as well. 
She's a great. She's a great actor. Actress, or as, uh-huh. a Phil- as a Philadelphia Inquirer once called her, she's a refreshing drop of acid. Uh, that's so accurate. <laughs> I love it. I'm trying to think. Well, so she in. she was the voice in Ants, that Bugs Life ripoff. She was in. Yeah, that wasn't good. No, no, it wasn't. Was and not- I remember, and I remember them advertising the heck out of that film. They too. did. She was in I Love You, Man. Paul Rudd and Jason mm-hmm. Segel. Oh, she was in Broad City. I love Broad City. She played the wit- Margot the Witch. I didn't remember her in The Librarians, but she was in The Librarians. She played Charlene. Yep. I didn't remember that. She was in that forgettable TV show, Unforgettable. Mary Elizabeth Ellis plays Paula, Mackenzie's sister. She is best known for the her role as the waitress on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, who Charlie Day is obsessed with. She starred on the NBC sitcom Perfect Couples and the Fox sitcom The Grinder. She appeared as Nick's ex-girlfriend on New Girl, and she starred in Santa Clarita Diet. So she has quite a bit to her name. She's guest starred on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She's on Drunk History as well as Dorothy Fultime. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to think everybody was on Drunk History, y'all. Yeah. And then I mean, it was canceled. That's just insane. So was Mindhunter. How was Mindhunter canceled? A crazy. That's Mind crazy. Mindhunter was canceled, but like the, uh, what, I don't even know what the show is called, where you take leftovers and make gourmet food, like that made it, but Mindhunter got canceled? And let's talk about Netflix for a minute while we're here, okay? Because I've definitely become a bigger fan of the new stuff coming out of Disney. Is Netflix doing anything that's not true, true, crom, true crime anymore? Hey, hey, I watched that Night Stalker documentary over the weekend, and that was spectacular. Yeah, it's pretty re- good. And yeah, it was. You won't remember the time when he was around, but some of us do remember his famous court appearances. Do you really? You don't remember him holding up his hand with the pentagram? No. That is like, like in- 84. Okay, even but- I have seen videos of that, Tom. I may not have been around. It's just like oh. I've seen videos of Manson's court appearances, too. Yeah, like, I mean, I've seen them. I just, I don't, I didn't see them live. Uh, yeah, that was good. I think I mean, that was a, that was a good was, documentary. It was freaking scary. Yeah, but, it was really uh, well done. It was yeah. when I was a kid. I remember seeing it in the court, and it was traumatizing. Okay, you know what? It was no OJ trial, Tom. Let's be real. <laughs> well, you know, man, that was around hands, too. But if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. <laughs> if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. We just watched, uh, oh, what is it called? Not Mindhunter, the other one. Uh, the one about the Unabomber, and then the second one was about the Olympic Bomber. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned that last week. That was good. I meant to look that up. We watched them out of order, and we just watched the Ted Kaczynski one. Are you talking about Manhunt? Manhunt, yes. Is it really good? I, I liked it. Uh, the first one is a lot harder to get into. It's really hard to relate to the um, the FBI investigator there. The second one has a lot more. There's a there's an ATF agent that you're just immediately in love with. Like You're like, this guy is who I want in my corner if uh, somebody were to bomb me. So yep. first season is... Ted is Kizem. Unibomber. Yeah. And what's the second season? Oh, the uh, Olympic bomber. Oh, God. Remember the Atlanta bomber? Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it's all about, uh, you know, the Richard Jewell, like it follows mm-hmm. Richard Jewell being falsely accused, the FBI being set, dead set that it's Richard Jewell, and then this ATF agent is convinced somebody else, and they eventually make it to Eric Randolph. Rudolph. Run, Rudolph, run. Santiago Cabrera plays Hugh... Uh, he was in Heroes. He was in, he played Lancelot in the BBC show Merlin. He was in The Musketeers on another BBC show. He, you know, 
there aren't he, a lot of people who use the name Lance for their kids anymore, but during the Middle Ages, it was Lan- there, like it was a big name. There was Lance a lot. Uh, he was in Transformers the last night. Uh, he's in Spooks, Dexter, The Mindy Project, Big Little Lies, Star Trek Picard. So he's been in a lot. Utkarsh Ambudkar plays Grant, the uh, television studio guy. Um, also goes by the name, his stage name, UTK, the INC. He's an American actor, rapper, and singer. He's been in Pitch Perfect, Britney Runs a Marathon. He was in the live action Mulan in a scene that was deleted. Oh. Uh, he's in that upcoming movie, Free Guy, which looks hilarious. That's the one with Ryan Reynolds. It's a video game character. Have you seen the trailers for that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tom will know him for this, probably. He's in the Apple TV show, Central Park. He starred, he, uh, he played himself in a documentary, The Problem with Apu, about, you know, the Simpsons character. He was in The Muppets, a 2015 show, which sort of continued as Pizza, the Stevie exec who came to try to radicalize the Muppets. He was in The Mindy Project, so lots of stuff. I don't really know him except as a minor character, but he's always funny in whatever he's in. And he's solid in this. Mm -hmm. And probably somebody who's beloved by everyone, June Squibb plays Agnes. And she's best known for her role in the film Nebraska, for which she was nominated for the Academy Award. Her best role she did was in the uh, the modern classic Hubie Halloween. <laughs> anyway, she she was in Scent of a Woman, Meet Joe Black, About Schmidt, Welcome to Mooseport, Atlas Shrugged Part One, uh, Nebraska, I'll See You in My Dreams, Love the Coopers, we covered her before, she was in Fishy, I forgot about that. Ralph Breaks the Internet, Toy Story 4, Hubie Halloween, Soul. Santa's Boots. <laughs> she was an episode of I'm Sorry, which is so funny. I'm so upset COVID got that canceled. She She's played that show Good Girls, too. She was a Modern Family, Shameless, Meemaw on The Big Bang Theory, Glee, Girls, uh, Mike and Molly, blah, 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 blah. She's been a lot. Or I'm guessing we're all June Squibb fans. Oh, yeah. How can you Love not June be? Squibb. She was the best part of Phoebe Halloween. You've got to admit that, at least. She was awesome, Anthony. Anyway, that's You didn't even like June Squibb in Hubie Halloween? I like June Squibb in everything she's in. Okay. So, histories. We probably all have the same histories of this film. But give your, over, give your overall thoughts and experiences watching this film and your overall thoughts about what you thought. Julia, you first. You want my thoughts about what I thought? Where's this freaking mute button tonight, man? <laughs> you said your thoughts about what you thought. I thought my thoughts about this movie were right. I thought I made some good points. Okay. So I I first heard about this movie from Anthony, actually, because I think you probably saw it first and you were like, you need to watch it. And then I actually ended up covering this movie with our friends over at Netflixmas. We covered it on an episode of theirs a few months ago, so it was a lot of fun. So I actually watched it a few months ago first. And, I mean, if we're spilling our overall thoughts on the movie right now, I love this movie. I was so wonderfully delighted by this movie. It was wonderful. Tom. Uh, I watched it when I saw the previews for it on Disney+. Plus. We have watched it and rewatched it and rewatched it and rewatched it. It is a classic at our home. 
and it instantly went into our Christmas canon. Hmm. How about you, A Dog? We'll bring that up later, going into your Christmas canon. I saw the trailer for this like two weeks before it came out. Posted it in our Facebook group. Watched it the night it came out with Sarah. We really liked it. We really thought it was cute. Even if, in my personal opinion, it's Enchanted meets Elf. So it is, but it's that's fine. It's fine. It ripped it off less than Noel did. Yes. We just need to. I think we need to stop holding that standard. So much stuff has been done. Well, I mean, that could open a whole can of worms. I think there is a way to do classic stories in an original fashion. And I think there's a way to pay homage to things that have come before without completely just ripping it off. I, and I'm not saying it was a bad thing, like, but it was just, this was enchanted. This was literally enchanted. I was expecting, like, I knew from the beginning that evil fairy queen was going to come out into the real world and track her down. Just like enchanted. And this is bad, why? Oh no, we saw, I saw a movie the other day with a prince in it. <laughs> That saved a girl. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying. No, no, you're right. There's predictable bad, and then there's predictable enjoyable. And this was predictable enjoyable. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. My, one, my one critique is it could have been more like Enchanted and had that raccoon a bigger part of her life, because I loved that raccoon. <laughs> what was his name? Well, yeah, Kevin? what was his name? Is it George? No. Kevin? I've got notes. I've got notes. Oh wow, Tom came prepared tonight. I did. I'm trying to I'm trying to see if I wrote his name down though. Gary. Gary, that's it. I loved him. He was sweet. So yeah, why don't we just jump right into the plot here? So there's a magic. Was the best of times? It was the worst of times. It was the worst of times. (laughs) Why don't you why don't you kick it off, Tom? Why don't you start? Okay. Uh, so we we're in this enchanted well, first of all, we open with a with an amazing narration from June Squibb that just ends abruptly. Like, it's funny. She's telling where we are. She's like, none of this matters. Let's jump into the actual story. So we're at this school <laughs> for godmothers. And most of the, 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 the to-be godmothers are like burnouts, right? This is like, I felt like they were like the equivalent of godmother detention, you know? Like when we meet the people in the breakfast club, when they go to detention, you know, it felt like that. Well, to me, it felt like they were uh, students in Professor Snape's class. They just did not want to be there. Yeah. And they thought their did y'all see that? Yep. Did y'all see that post I made? I shared the the meme I shared where they were talking about making Adam Driver a young Snape. That I would that, that movie needs to happen. He that movie exactly needs to happen like him. because I mean, in the whole scheme of things, in the whole Harry Potter universe, I know this is this is like sacrilege but one of the least interesting character stories is harry potter (laughs) i tell sarah that all the time harry was her favorite i'm like whose favorite is harry i mean yeah anyway so we're in class and none of them are taking it seriously you know they're all just kind of checked out but well they're checked why are they checked out it's because because they've been been doing the same thing for like from what I gather, years upon years upon years, Moira. And they don't get any practical experience. Either. Moira is teaching the same like redundant thing time and time and time again, and they're like, and nobody's getting assignments. Nobody, like, right. they don't remember the last time one of the godmothers went out from the fairy godmother land to the real world. But you have Eleanor, who is again played by Julian Bell, and she is 
overly enthusiastic. She's and she, like Hermione and Leslie Nope mixed into one. She is like yes. Hermione and Leslie Nope mixed into one. Yes. So when Moira comes and she's asking questions, Eleanor is like the first to jump at this, at, at any answer she can. And Moira is like, anybody else? It's obvious she's annoyed by the enthusiasm, which I find odd since nobody else cares what she has to say. Right. It just doesn't, the, it doesn't seem to align well. And during all of this, uh, we find out that they are going to be shutting down the godmother <laughs> school and they're all going to become tooth fairies. <laughs> Which I thought was cute. I thought I like that there were different. It's kind of like the beginning of elves, where you find out there are like elves that make cookies, and the shoemaker elves, and then the North Pole elves. I like that there were different branches of fairy careers they could go into. <laughs> and obviously, fairy the Tooth careers. Fairy is not. It's not the the big leagues. It's not where any of them want to go, right? I, I mean, want to go didn't seem to mind the hours too much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So Eleanor decides to go to the records room and search around. She wants to find a mission. She wants to go send herself on a mission, right? Because she, why? Uh, she feels like if she can go show that, that people still need godmothers, they'll have jobs, right? They'll, that yep. she, she's going to single-handedly revive the, the godmother bidness. Yeah, she so she finds that. this letter of a little girl who needs true love. and A little girl named Mackenzie. Mackenzie. And can we... Who called it? Who called it that the little girl was going to be Isla Fisher grown up? Like that the letter was. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah, yep. of course. Yep. I mean, we knew that was going to be the story, right? So uh, she goes back to her room, and Agnes, June Squibb's character, is her roommate, which is also kind of funny. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I also like the fact that um, Agnes is the, she's the MC, you know, she's like playing the hippest music, and she plays the Queen of the I Night love aria. That. Yep. So good. It's like this pop hit, and it's like the Queen of the Night aria. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, so good. Oh, it was. Which I mean, I give you that's an amazing. That is an amazing piece. But uh, you know, pop- you know what I want? I want a June Squibb Betty White movie, like team up vehicle. I doubt we're gonna see that. I know we're not, but I would love to see one. Betty White just them. turned what? Ninety nine. So, are y'all opera fans? Have we been through that before? I am not. I like it some i mean i'm not a fan i like sometimes like you know when you're working like that music is nice and relaxing <laughs> i'm not gonna try to hit the high note there but uh i don't I, I like opera magic flutes got some good pieces but uh she roundabout way lets june squibb know she's leaving june squibb is gonna cover for her because she has this mm-hmm. affinity and she cares about Eleanor, but, right? But June Squibb yes. warns her if she's found out, the school will still be shut down and her powers will be stripped. But She'll be stuck. But what she's doing is more important and she knows it. So yep. she goes to the real world and when she gets there, she tries, well, she has trouble getting out of, of you know, the, the enchanted land. But when she finally does get through the portal and tries to use her magic, she realizes that despite the fact that she's heard these same three lessons, you know, <laughs> ad nauseum, she has no clue what to do in the real world. And instead of turning a pumpkin into a coach, she commits an act of terrorism <laughs> that is later ascribed to potentially a satanic cult where they group up all of the pumpkins in this pumpkin patch. Uh, by the way, I loved the effect of her opening the portal from the magical world to the real world. I thought that looked very cool. Yeah, it that was neat. Cool. On the ice and on the yeah, like like it it wasn't like like some movies go over the top with the effects. It was simple enough but still magical. Yeah, it was magical. 
And one of the things I like about these movies in general, like the Enchanted, Enchanted as well, and Elf, and this, is that like, I like how these people who come from the magical worlds find the magic in our mundane world. Like, we're so yeah. like, you know, like you're so ingrained, but when you stop and think about like the technological marvels in our world, you know, it really is like impressive when you stop and think about it. We just take it all for granted. So I like seeing our world from that point of view. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she's, she is, she falls asleep by the side of the road and gets woken up by a female trucker. Who <laughs> thinks she's like high or something like drunk or like, well, when you, I mean, she's mind. like, she's like, you know, she's asking about who's driving the carriage and the lady's like, uh, I am. And she's like, women don't drive carriages. <laughs> uh, and Honey, like, is there someone I can call for you? <laughs> she's like, no, I'll get my roommate. She just starts screaming in the air for access. Uh, so she ends up going and she's looking for Mackenzie. They end up looking up and finding her on the internet. And... She's in Boston. She's in Boston, which is this trucker is headed to Boston. And Eleanor doesn't know it yet, but uh, the truck driver does, that McKinsey is, is, is grown up and she works at a news station, which is where the trucker lady drops Eleanor off. And she goes into the news station looking for McKinsey and looks like a crazy person. I mean, she's in this giant gown with a wand and a wide-eyed and... It's so cute when she gets out of the truck and she asks her, she's like, you want me to give you a dress or something? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm good. I love her. She's so earnest and just positive, and I love her character. She's concerned about everybody around her as well, which is really, really cool. Kind of reminds me of Giselle from Enchanted. Or Buddy. Or Buddy. Or Noelle. Or Noelle. Or Noelle. So she goes in and she's she's talking to Mackenzie and she something's got to be wrong, right? This cannot be the girl she came to see. And Mackenzie doesn't trust her until she, you know, she ends up mentioning Mackenzie's childhood address and she's like, "How do you know about that?" And she's like, "Oh, I got your letter." But I love the line where she's like, where she's asking Mackenzie, I've got the the quote somewhere, where she asks Mackenzie a like uh, she's like, oh, well, can I go see your children now? And she's like, absolutely not. Like, no. <laughs> this crazy lady shows up and asks if she can hang out with her kids. She takes pity on her, though, and ends up bringing her home. She does, and she gives her her dungeon. Mm-hmm. To the, yeah, really cold base. It literally looks like a prison cell. It does. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the house is like, you can tell Mackenzie's not home a lot, right? She works a lot. She's overworked. She doesn't spend a lot of time with her daughters. By the way, you want to talk about awful child actresses. The youngest daughter falls into that camp for me. You are so hateful on kids, man. Just enjoy the ride. The older girl is fine, I guess. So the But but her sister Hold on, I'm gonna do the quote because she asks if she can go see her kids. She's like, Who are you? The world's laziest kidnapper? Why would I tell you where my kid is? (laughs) (laughs) I like that line, the world the world's laziest kidnapper. But yeah, Mackenzie's overworked. She doesn't really. You find out like uh, she doesn't believe in happily ever after anymore, because she tells Eleanor that her husband left her for a Pilates instructor. Or she doesn't say it. She heavily implies that her husband left her for a Pilates instructor. Which yeah. but you also find out more about her kids too. Like that Jane has social anxiety when it comes to singing, even though she's really talented at it. Beautiful. And voice, yeah. rather than encouraging her and trying to help her overcome this, Mackenzie just shoots her down like, nah, you probably shouldn't do this. You probably like her, sis- yeah. like her sister says, I bet when Beyonce was younger, her mom used to encourage her in the same exact way. <laughs> yeah. So they send uh, 
Eleanor down to the basement for the evening. And when Mackenzie wakes up in the morning, the whole house is transformed. It's a castle. It's a castle. The interior has been turned into a castle. And the dog is transformed into the pig. Or so we think. Later on, we find out the dog was just lurking around. And that it's just a random pig, right? Yeah. The dog, like, disappears for the better part of the movie. And you're like, yeah, that was perplexing. It was a weird choice. The one thing that we missed, I forgot, when she kept talking about Pilates instructors, she, uh, Eleanor, she's like, I assume she means pirates? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, complete with this castle transformation is magical woodland creature. In this case, a raccoon who's doing the ironing and all the cleaning. <laughs> All the cleaning. <laughs> a raccoon and Gary, who she's very easily frustrated with because she's constantly like, Gary! <laughs> Gary? <laughs> Gary, did you hear me say just do what you like? <laughs> <laughs> I have a thing for raccoons, by the way. So any film or TV show that has a raccoon as like a main character, like, or as like a pet or like something. I'm all in. I love freaking raccoons. I would love one as a pet. Um, I always wanted one as a pet because I grew up hearing pictures and seeing, uh, uh, hearing stories and and seeing a picture of my grandfather's family had a pet raccoon. But his grandmother used to share lemon drops, you know, those candies that like probably nobody eats anymore. And uh, one day she was eating one and she she would eat one and give it to him. And and he put his claw in her mouth and ripped her cheek right wide open trying to get to the uh, lemon drop. They're very, and they're also very destructive of property. They are, they can easily open cabinets and doors. They're basically like owning a two-year-old for life. Well, two-year-old with claws who like chews through and tears through sheetrock. And sometimes rabies. I've known two-year-olds to go through. And sometimes rabies, and sometimes rabies. Not as prevalent as, you know, bats, where it's what, like 16% of all bats in the country have rabies? Dang, seriously? Maybe 18, maybe 18%. Yeah, somewhere around there. 16 or 18. Bats are so cute. Uh, they are also extremely rabid. Yeah. And they're one they're of the precious. biggest spreaders of, of, of the rabies. So Eleanor begins, Eleanor tags along with Mackenzie and goes to work, where she meets her coworker, Hugh, who has Hugh been, Prince. Hugh Prince. Who... Hugh Prince. Is clearly into Mackenzie, which delights Eleanor. Eleanor thinks this is the match made in heaven, right? And he is precious. And the prince name is like really big for her. But he's adorable. He's so cute with her, isn't he? He's so cute with her. I love him. It's like a, it feels like a a middle school attraction, right? Like he's a little seventh grade boy following Mackenzie around. It's adorable. Yeah, because he's like super dorky and very smart and kind and and hilarious like when they're sitting at the bar he's so funny and she's like wait you're divorced and he's like yeah could you believe anybody would let all this go or something you know i mean he's he's made me laugh we find out at work mackenzie and hugh get stuck with all the crappy puff pieces not real stories and this time they are sent to cover a big snowstorm and get footage of people like sledding right or something essentially She was a very promising, I think she was a producer, right? She was very promising before her husband died. And then her boss ends up taking the gig and somehow they become number five out of the four stations. (laughs) They (laughs) out of the four news stations or something else that's like ranking higher as news than they are. And he's just terrible, right? Like, like they'll, uh, when the pump, when the pumpkins exploded, they reported on, he's like, well, why didn't, did it involve a satanic cult? And they're like, no. He's like, are you sure? Why didn't we report on us on it as a satanic cult? Like, just wanting to terrible. 
hashtag fake news. Yeah, because <laughs> all about going viral nowadays, yep. right? It is. He went viral. That is one thing Eleanor helps with a lot inadvertently. Yeah. She accidentally she accidentally causes a citywide blackout. She becomes a viral sensation during a sledding accident. Which she opens what looks like the Ghostbusters portal over the stadium after she has a very aggressive reaction. Oh my god, to the that's, ex- that's exactly what it looked like the Ghost Ghostbusters portal. That's what it looked like to me. Do. Yeah. So yeah, it's like anywhere Eleanor goes. She leaves this mini little destruction path of, but not like really bad destruction, right? In her wake. I don't in, know, but entire eye, attempt. eyebrows were pretty destructive. <laughs> That's right. She gives her eyebrows. Yeah. But she's just wonderful. She's and she beautiful. learns just as much as, what's Isla Fisher's name? Mackenzie learns throughout the process. Because Eleanor thinks that there are three steps to making somebody happy. And that's something that's like common in these films as well, right? Elf, uh, Enchanted, they learn to, you know, the world's not as perfect as they grew up to believe. They learn, you know, people need, you know, Enchanted especially, she learns it's not just a fairy tale, that people are complex. And, you know, Buddy the Elf learned a similar lesson with his father, too. Yep, and Noelle as well. Yep, so... She also ends up giving Mackenzie this kind of newfound confidence, right? Yes. And Mackenzie goes out. She offers to take care of the kids, right, one day? So Mackenzie can go shopping for herself and have a day to herself. And it's during this that Eleanor helps bring Jane out of her shell a bit, singing-wise, by taking her in public and having her sing My Favorite Things, which, not a Christmas song! Pick no, a Christmas. not a Christmas song. This should have been a Christmas song. This movie set at Christmas. They should have just picked a Christmas song. That's not a Christmas song. Anyway, they sing. Jane gets her confidence. Uh, people throw money into their little guitar case. And uh, Mackenzie shows up and she's not exactly like, I don't know. She still thinks it's, she's still overly worried about her. Right thinking anxiety yeah she's not all i don't know kind of like you think you'd be if you were a mom and watching because she still has i mean it's it's that mother instinct right you're still trying to protect him at the same time you want to let him fly and she's terrified that her daughter is going to not be able to handle it in a real situation also so she's not like jubilant like eleanor is and so these girls are getting very attached to eleanor also yeah Mm mm-hmm and Eleanor decorates her house for Christmas. Well, Gary helps. Gary's <laughs> doing the work. <laughs> Which I love. And the house, it's my background right now. It looked very beautiful. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It's, and it's that's exactly how you would expect a fairy godmother to decorate a house for Christmas. Yes, absolutely. And that's the scene where she really gets that full impact of the husband died and the daughters miss her because one of the girls is about to say something about dad and how dad had such a big hand in former Christmases, but she is scared to say it because she's right afraid it's going to make her mom sad. And her mom is thawing at this moment because she's like, say it, you know, I want you to share it. I miss him too. All that stuff. She needed, like they didn't talk about dad and they felt like it wasn't okay to talk about their dad. Right. Which, you know, we start to see the healing process take place, right? Yes, absolutely. 
as Mackenzie gains his confidence in herself, she starts hanging out with Hugh more as well. And we find out Hugh is divorced with the son of his own. But eventually, okay, so at some point around here, Moira finds out that mm-hmm. Eleanor left Fairy World. And she decides to go out into the real world and drag her back. But it's not for, like, necessarily evil intentions. Like, she says, No. Like, well, she just, her main thing is, like, she sort of accepted the fact that godmothers are not needed anymore. The formula doesn't work. It's not compatible with how people live. So just come back and let's just like forget about it, right? Like you're not going to succeed, but it's not—it's really not a malicious you're not going to succeed no. like they could have done. So I'm really glad they didn't do that. I it's appreciate really just that like too. A, there's no hope. And, and that, I, pre- I appreciate that a lot because that's what really differentiates it from Enchanted for me. Because obviously yes. in Enchanted, it was an evil queen who wanted her stuck in the real world, wanted her to fail, wanted to crush that happiness and optimism right. and... This this uh, queen, it's not malicious. She wants to bring her back for what she really truly believes is her own good. Yep. Right. So the queen's out in the world looking for her, and Agnes reaches Eleanor <laughs> through a clock or something, right? And, yes. Uh, <laughs> clock face. <laughs> and she tells her that she needs to have Mackenzie's true love found by midnight the next night, or she's going to lose her powers. So. Eleanor convinces Mackenzie to go to this holiday party being thrown by her boss. And while there, she attempts to use her powers to help her and Hugh fall in love with one another. But she fails miserably. She gives her this big old like Victorian ball gown and hairstyle and mm-hmm. in the bathroom. In the bathroom. But this this really upsets Mackenzie because it was going well for Mackenzie until Eleanor tried to interfere at that moment. And she basically explodes and very similar to, to james con and elf right like you meddle in my life get out of my life i don't want you in yeah. there anymore well um, because the the straw that broke the camel's back was Mackenzie felt like eleanor that whole time was trying to help her family but in that moment it appeared that eleanor was trying to help herself yep. right yes and so she and felt there, betrayed and their arguments heard by like everyone at the party and which gets her lands her in trouble with her boss because he thinks that they had staged all these viral moments that got them acclaimed. Yep. So he plans to fire her the next day. And Hugh, right? And Hugh. Well, we don't know if Hugh's going to get fired or not. That's true. That's true. Well, no, that's not true. She want, he wants her to get Eleanor back to keep creating these moments. And then when she refuses, that's when he fires her the next day. And Hugh quits in like solidarity. Oh, that's right. Well, I mean, that brings us to the night of the concert. The night of the Christmas concert. Right. That daughter has been preparing for to step in right as understudy because didn't somebody get sick and she fills the space. Yes. And so she's got a solo. So she's been working on it and she's stressed, man. And she's stressed. So they set out to find Eleanor. And Eleanor, you know, and they make up. Everyone makes up. But they need to get away downtown to the concert quick before she's due on stage. So here's where Eleanor finally manages to transform a pumpkin into a carriage. Oh no, they a watermelon into a carriage. That's, <laughs> that's right, it's a watermelon. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, and a dress and everything. And I love this scene when they're flying through Boston in the watermelon. <gasps> I do too. They, I do too. A they lot. end up flying over the Christmas parade, over that cute little Santa float and everything. I love this whole scene. 
And when they get to they get to the concert in time, and Jane performs using her father's old guitar, she actually mm-hmm. does it. Yep. And, and her voice is so beautiful. She, it is beautiful. Yep. It's nice to hear her singing without Eleanor singing with her too. Here, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but this is where Moira shows up to take Eleanor away. Yep. They get into. You think they're going to get into this fight on stage, but it's more mm-hmm. like a verbal debate. And like you can tell a lot of a lot of people in the audience think it's like part of the play or something. Like because you have these two like fairy godmothers. They're dressed people. for the play. They're dressed for a play. And they're on stage arguing about magic and fairy godmothers and, and wishes. And so I like the whole staging instead of a this scene. Yeah. And um she does call her a failure though, in her mission. Yes. And that's when Eleanor stands up to her and says, you know, the missions change, your formula's dated, like Everyone has their own idea of true love and happy endings. And, and Mackenzie sticks up for her, too. She and does. Mackenzie sticks up for her, too. And then the, all of the family and a lot of people in the audience start sticking up for her, which I love the scene. It was a yeah. community coming together moment, which I know Julia loves. It was so good. You see all the little families and like how people find the ones that they love, like uh, kid and progressive, his grandparent. Progressive and producing the, movie, The Gay Couple. Yes, with that sweet little, oh, I mean, the whole scene is just magic. Yep. And it just, I mean, I was crying in it because it was sweet and it was wonderful. And it so, was also very, what's the other movie that was similar to this where it's not the man's love? I mean, I know Frozen is like that, but it's not the love of a man that completes you. If there's like, it doesn't have to be, I mean, I know it's Frozen, but they're missing one. There are a lot of them right like now. Yeah, well, yeah, that's probably <laughs> but, uh, any number of them, <laughs> but I liked that. I, I loved it. It's like that message that everyone like, which trends on social media, right? Love is love is love is love. And they showed that in the audience, whether it's a uh, mm-hmm. parent's love for their kid, uh, two men, two women, like it doesn't have to be the traditional thing that Moira always thought. Like she essentially right. tells Moira, you're outdated and you need to update and change the times. And yeah. after... She proves her point. The Moira concedes that Eleanor was a success, and they go back to Motherland together because the assignment is completed. So I didn't like this because then we never see her and Mackenzie together again for the rest of the film. But I blame COVID because the ep- ep- epilogue was animated because of COVID. It was going to be live action, but then they didn't have time to film it. And they animated it. So this is very... Um, it was cute, though. I liked it. Was it. Very cute. it was very cute. I liked very, the animated. I really did. It was very enchanted. That also felt that like enchanted. Very enchanted. But Eleanor, you see Eleanor has become a teacher in Motherland. And she's teaching the new children the new godmother's way. And the end. I feel like somewhere in there, whether at the end or right before they left the concert, there was one last, Gary! Before they left. There was. I think <laughs> there was, right? I think there was at the concert, like he like makes his electricity go out or something. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was. <laughs> did you notice that little boys can be godmothers too? I did. I liked that a lot. I loved that. That made me happy. And the end. And I loved it. I did too. It was such like a feel-good movie. It was. It really was. And it was funny. Like I think kids I didn't I didn't get a chance to before recording watch it with hannah because i really want to watch it with hannah she's you know the other one in the family that really loves these and i didn't get a chance to do that but i'm really interested to see if she likes it you have to let us know do you think she will i think she will i think she'll like it so we know enchanted is officially getting a sequel they announced after disney plus disenchanted disenchanted and amy adams and uh mcdreamy both just got their scripts the other day 
Yep. But this, they want to do a sequel to as well. Bell and Fisher expressed interest in a sequel, with Bell particularly expressing interest in a sequel featuring Mia and Jane training to be fairy godmothers, which would be very Oh, goodness, cute. that'd be fun. Oh, so they're going to go to the motherland? I think that would be very cute. So I so hope they do totally that's, that's, your, that. that's your prediction or your, your hope? Yep. So nice. is this a Christmas movie? Because Disney Plus advertised it as a... Christmas movie. If you go back to those trailers, they advertised it as a big holiday spectacular. No. No. Not a Christmas movie. It's a movie it's a set at Christmas. Christmas. It's a great movie to watch at Christmas. It is. Like, I, yeah. I'll say this. I'll it wasn't it a Christmas movie, Christmas. but it was very atmospheric during the moments they showed off, like Boston decorating yes. the house decorating everything. It looks yes. like Christmas, but it wasn't I think a Christmas it's a hard. Movie. I think it's a hard sell taking a fairy tale movie and trying to intermix intermix it with Christmas. Have we ever seen that done well? Not counting like Shrek holiday special. Okay. But like a full length movie. It's almost like they're two magnets that are the same charge. And I think that'd be really hard. You're mixing two different kinds of magic, right? Krampus was fairy tale like, but I mean, he's a Christmas figure, so that doesn't count. Right. All right, Anthony, there's your job. Write it and send it to to Disney plus. Uh, I have a lot of quotes from this movie that I liked a lot. Well, I'm Go glad you it. did. I didn't write any down. So, so I liked how instead of, oh my God, or oh my gosh, Eleanor always said, oh my God, mothers. I know. I love that. <laughs> that was so cute. <laughs> Does Ellie say that? No. Now? It's still, oh my garland. <laughs> oh my garland. Oh my garland. That's right. I forgot. She said that's way better. I liked Eleanor's quote. And Julia, you kind of paraphrased it there. Talk about the end. She says, we think that love needs to work in a certain way. We're trapped in a fairy tale when the real world is full of so much more. Instead of telling people what true love is supposed to look like, maybe we should let them tell us. Love comes in so many forms. Why can't we see that? that. When she's getting ready to leave and Agnes is like, knock them dead, kid. And Eleanor looks, oh, Agnes, if everything goes right, nobody's going to die. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of my favorite. Can you even call that a trope when you have a fish out of water story and they take everything literally? It's so good. I love it. When she sees the the truck and she's talking to the the trucker lady, she says, oh, your carriage must have required an enormous pumpkin. How many footmen are inside? The the trucker replies, none, just me. Beth, Beth, you're hilarious. Everyone knows women don't drive themselves. That's what mice are for. I I love when uh, she's talking about finding a... Mackenzie, she says, I can find her. I can find her a bluebird to send her a message once I get to Massachusetts. (laughs) I like when the trucker lady talks about how she fell in love with a tooth fairy once. She says she fell in love with a tooth fairy at Burning Man one night or something. And Eleanor's (laughs) like, Oh, they're all bad, or they're they're no, they're so I don't know what it was. They're they're no they're no good. They're all bad or something. (laughs) I liked. uh, (laughs) I liked when. she started having that allergic reaction to the seafood because she <laughs> ate so much. And Mackenzie's like, who eats that much seafood? And Eleanor's like, sharks! <laughs> <laughs> and I liked her conversation with, uh, with uh, Mackenzie, too. I figured out why you're not interested in Happily Ever After. Because it's a fairy tale construct that teaches people that normal life isn't enough. No, because you need a makeover. <laughs> Look, I know what you're thinking, and it's true. Most fairy godmothers are a lot older. But if you can overlook my youth and your total lack of experience, you'll find I have a real can-do attitude that's going to take us very, very far. I like it's one of Eleanor's final quotes in the movie, I think. She says, forget ever after, just live happily. Oh, I like that. 
when they're talking about taking a, a bus, a Greyhound, Eleanor's like, they're turning Greyhounds into buses? Typically, mm-hmm. they just become footmen. Actually, they would be much, fa- much faster than a pumpkin. <laughs> 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 I've got two more quotes. One is, uh, she's like, last night I did some thinking. Now, I know you don't believe in happily after- ever after, but that's why I'm here. And if you're going to find it, you need a castle. The hovel won't work. And she's like, but you turned my house into medieval times. <laughs> and I like how she describes what raccoons are. She's like, mm, I keep them away from your clothes. Raccoons are best for light work. They're good with brooms, dusting, and sweeping. Oh, and uh, the, oh, yes. when the little girl asked for an iPad and she got the eye patch instead. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It had, a, it had major, I think it had multiple Linus moments, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, I think so. I agree. Moira had Linus moment. Mackenzie had Linus moment. Even mm-hmm. Eleanor had Linus moment where she sees that things aren't the way, like things aren't by the book. Yeah. But 100%. that's okay. Are we uh, ready to bring this? We thing? saw Anthony's heart melt, melt, grow two sizes too small. So he had a Linus moment in this as well. Grow two well, sizes too small. I mean, grow two sizes and wasn't too small anymore. Oh. Shall we get to the part where we have to do a complete disservice to this movie just for the pure fact that it's not a Christmas movie? I'm not going to do that. This movie was good enough that I think it overcame that. And I'm going to come in at an 8.25. I'm giving it a 5.5, mostly because it's not a Christmas movie. I'm going to come in at a 6. Which gives us an average of 6.583, which puts it in tier 3, Hallmarkably Average. And that comes in at number 33 on our list. between the That's not fair. The Nativity no. Story and Rise of the Guardians. You're right. It's not fair. If we were perhaps ranking this in a three Christmas tree model, where three Christmas trees is the best, and one Christmas tree is just meh, this is a three Christmas tree. If we if we rank this on the scale of the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree to the Charlie Brown Christmas tree with a regular home Christmas tree in between, this would be the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. I agree. Yeah, it's straight up Rockefeller Center. Tom looks like he's going to cry, audience. No, I'm just looking at the fact that next week we've got Mixed Nuts followed by the Long Kiss Goodnight. Uh, we're not at that part to announce that. I, you called me out, so I was telling you what I was looking at. I'm not happy about <laughs> either of those, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm not excited. But if you've got thoughts about either of those two movies or Godmothered, we would love to hear them on our social media. You can find us everywhere where you media social that's not run out of Russian servers <laughs> by people with, with nefarious Russian connections to push an alt-right agenda. You can find us on Facebook, our Facebook group, Twitter. Instagram or Reddit by going to tisthepodcast.com slash Facebook slash Facebook group slash Reddit slash Instagram slash Twitter. And uh, let us know what you think. We love hearing from you. And uh, one of us will most likely respond. And if you want to give us some money to keep doing the great things that we're doing and get some cool (laughs) swag, we've got some buttons that are supposedly uh, in the mail to people. I have no way of verifying this to be true. Actually, no, I want to say something about that because we got a message from listener Alicia that she, her envelope arrived all banged up with two pins missing and one pin crushed. Well, we need to contact so, the Postal Service about that. So I said I was going to put new pins in the mail because that's not fair to her. I'm going to put two pins in the mail for her. Same day I mail out Tom and Julia's this week. Can she get a picture of that for us? Because I'm going to let the post office know. Alicia will have messaged you before this, but if you haven't yet, send us a picture of the crushed Grinch pin. That stinks, man. That's That stinks. Uh, but you can get cool stuff like uh, maybe 
half of the pins that we mail you. We, we have four somebody. different enamel pins, which are amazing. They're beautiful. And for just $5 to our Patreon, they could be yours. I want to me- thank Michael Crystalman for upping to a $5 patron level, as well as Marilee Montalvo. Montalvo, who also became a $5 patron, and Margaret de Bartolomeo, who has also just edited and up to the $5 level. So y'all will all be getting pins if you have not gotten them already. Plus, we want to thank our friend Mike Westfall as well for becoming a patron with us. Mike, good old Mike. Mike Westfall from Advent Calendar House. We're going to go on and do a plug for him, although we are not doing it because he became a patron, just because we thought of him and uh, we've had him on our podcast and uh, we dig the guy. He's good people. He mentioned in our Facebook group at one point when he found out we're doing Batman the Animated Series later this year, the Christmas episode. I think he really wants to join us for that one. I don't know how we couldn't have him. Yep. So also, don't forget Thursdays going forward till the end of the year. Bonus to the podcast episode in your main feed every Thursday as us and a bunch of other Christmas podcast hosts and listeners of the show read a Christmas book to y'all that yours truly wrote. Pretty excited. You'll get a chapter a week this week. You'll get the prologue. So check out your uh, feeds on Thursday for the prologue, y'all. Have you read yours yet, Julia? No, not yet. We had a very loud house this weekend. Okay, then I don't feel bad about not having mine either. No, I'm going to record it in the next day or two. I'm just excited I got the epilogue too. You did. I need to get. I, I needed to that. give the best voice the epilogue. <laughs> and since I wasn't able to do it, I passed it on to Julia. Thank you for passing. <laughs> so as Tom mentioned earlier, next week we are covering Mixed Nuts. Curious to see what y'all think of that. Tom gave a hint. I'm not sure what Julia thinks of that one. If she's never seen, seen that enough. movie, isn't that Steve Martin? It is Steve, Steve Martin. Martin, Adam Sandler, a bunch of people in that movie. Really? And the week after that, we're covering the Long Kiss Goodnight. In other news, we only have only have 8,040 hours until Christmas. Next week, we'll be out of the 8,000. So moving right along. It's only 335 days. 47 weeks. He'll be here before you know i believe that last year went fast despite quarantine yeah, like it, it did it really did so do your homework y'all watch mix nuts and we'll speak to you thursday so bye y'all bye, bye. bye.